It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Presented by Sweet Sweat. Hey, welcome into the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Uh, Mark Schlereth alongside Mike Evans, Scott the Huff, producing the show. I want to thank our presenting sponsors, great folks at Sweet Sweat. Um, for all your exercise and physical needs, sweetsweat.com. And I'm telling you what, Mike, we're going to do a question mark today. And uh, the winner of question mark is going to receive a $75 gift bag from our friends at Sweet Sweat. So sweetsweat.com for more information on that. Also, the great folks over at Superbook, America's best bet, Superbook. And um, both of you kind of took it on the – both of us, not oh. both of you, but both of us kind of took it on the chin. Um, it's Groundhog Day. Every it, week, every week every for you is the same for every me. week is a one and two one and week two. for you. Yep, it's not it's not at all good. But no. we will uh, do that later in the week as well. So, Michael, I mean, uh, week what was it? Week twelve in the books right now? Eventful, wasn't it? Wow. And how about what happened right here in Denver? Oh my gosh! So the Broncos quarterbacks were in a a, a big room together. They were allowed to be there, but. In the process of four quarterbacks hanging out together, meeting, mm-hmm. they weren't always wearing their masks, and they were eating. And as a result, uh, the NFL said, nope, uh, because you were exposed to a quarterback, Jeff Driscoll, who uh, tested positive, all quarterbacks will not be allowed to play Sunday against the Saints. So the Broncos went into Sunday's game, a game you called for Fox, without a quarterback. Yes. And... The, the big debate here has been, and I'd be curious to get your thoughts on it, were the Broncos used as a sacrificial patsy uh, for the NFL to send a message to the rest of their teams about <laughs> following protocols? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think Monday they were sent, everybody, the league-wide was sent a note about tighter restrictions on mask wearing and, and new protocols and how to be vigilant during this time, and we're getting this season in regardless, right? So you just got all these new protocols. As an organization, you, along with all 31 other teams, were given these same damn protocols and say, follow these doggone things. And remember now, every room and every uh, organization in every meeting room and, and around the facilities, they're all, I mean, they're all under surveillance. Every, everything is is filmed, right? And so you had all these things that, uh, that, that were put into place, and they told you to be vigilant, and they told you there were going to be consequences if you weren't, and then the quarterbacks in the quarterback room shows up and, and doesn't have their masks on. And so, you know, I'm a... I'm I'm just this believer in, um, you know, there's an old cliche in the National Football League that the best of ability is availability, and I say the best of ability is responsibility. It's your responsibility in that quarterback room, in every room, to take it seriously and to understand the consequences. And obviously, you know, and I'm not saying that they were malicious and they were like, you know, throwing the bird to the, the NFL, we're not going to wear our mask, you know, they're, uh, they're not, you know, anti-maskers or whatever. I just think they got lax. They, you know, I mean, every one of us, I think at a time or two, I, I know I have, you know, I jump out of my car to run into the grocery store to run an errand for my wife and I get to the doorstep and I'm like, oh, shoot, I forgot my mask. I have to flip around and go back to the car, right? I mean, we've all forgotten or we've all let our guard down a time or two, but this is right after the note was sent to everybody, right? I mean, a, a official letterhead from the NFL, do not do this. And you did it. And those are the consequences. And do I think it was a sacrificial lamb situation? Absolutely. 
I, I, like, if this happened to the Kansas City Chiefs quarterback room and Mahomes and everybody, contact tracing, the backup quarterback was got, got popped for COVID-19 and the other quarterbacks were around, do I think they would have pushed the game to Tuesday? Yeah, because it's the Kansas City freaking Chiefs. You've put yourself in this position in the last five years by being what? Irrelevant. By poorly drafting, by having free agents that haven't worked out, by having several different coaches. You've had five offensive coordinators in five years. You've had two different head coaches, three in the last five years. I mean, this is a situation that you've let yourself get into. You are no longer one of the top franchises in football. You are no longer going to give that grace. And, oh, by the way, you have an ownership issue. You don't have ownership. Now, do I think this would have happened if Pat Bowen was in charge and Pat Bowen go to the league and say, hey, man, like, you have to extend us some grace here? Like, I think there's a lot of those factors that go into this decision by the NFL, but ultimately, I think you're a, you're a you know, I mean, I, I do think you're a sacrificial lamb. It also does speak to the NFL, I believe, recognizing what's happening in our country right now. We've seen a big surge in, in COVID numbers, mm-hmm. and they're expected to continue to be that way for, for several more weeks at least. And I can see the NFL starting to feel a little panicky about, hey, are we going to be able to get our season in? Are we going to be able to play all these games? And when something like this comes up, here's an opportunity to really deliver a message by using a team that you're deeming to be pretty irrelevant. And that's that's the part of this story that that bugs me. I don't know how, how bother if it bothers you. It's it's not that I I don't feel that there should be rules and there shouldn't be guidelines and protocols. There should be. And there should be some consequences if you don't follow them. But it's the hypocrisy and just that belief that I have that I don't think the same rules or responses mm-hmm. would have been applied to all 32 teams. I, I just don't. And, and it's that hypocrisy that bugs me. Yeah, no, I understand that. I, I do understand that. And you're correct about that. I go back to the Jimmy Johnson, you know, story where he said, Hey man, if the uh, four string running back falls asleep in a meeting, I cut him. If Emmett Smith falls asleep in meetings, I have somebody nudge him. Right. I mean, there is a sliding scale of justice in the NFL. And it's that way. I mean, it's that way in life. You know, life isn't fair. Fair is where pigs are judged, right? That's that's the only thing. That, I mean, that's that's where the pigs are judged in a fair. The rest of us, you know, life just isn't fair. It's just, it just is the way it works. And and I do believe there was a there was a punitive nature to this. Basically, we're going to send a message to the rest of the league, and we're going to use the Broncos. Hey. I, I, I'm telling you, if you're the Seahawks right now, you're playing, you know, you're going to you're going to play on Monday night football, right? You're the Seahawks playing the Eagles. Is it fair that the New Orleans Saints who you're a game behind in the standings got a hall pass? You're fighting for the number 1 seed overall and guess what? The only the number 1 seed overall gets a bye week? Is it fair that they got a hall pass last uh, in week 12? No, it's not fair, but you know, them's the breaks, so to speak. So what are you going to do? There's not a whole lot you can do. And I do believe, I talked to the Broncos for quite some time on Saturday mm-hmm. night. I, listen, man, I don't believe, again, there was malicious intent to deceive or any of that kind of stuff. I don't believe that that was part of it. 
I do believe when you're asked and you're like, oh, oh gosh, you know, there's that nervousness and you're trying to make it sound, you know, decent and whatever. But um, I, I don't like I don't believe they I don't believe they walked in there and, and just flipped the bird to the league. I, I don't I just don't buy that part of it. So we'll uh, we'll see if anything more happens uh, with the Broncos. But mm-hmm. back to the uh, the games, uh, <laughs> Tampa Bay, Kansas City. Now, we'll, we'll, can you explain to me how a team comes out and and plays a defense and sticks with a defense that allows Tyreek Hill to have seven catches for two hundred three yards and two touchdowns <laughs> in the first quarter? <laughs> Well, okay. Uh, adjustments, anybody? Yeah. Well, that's that's one of those. Maybe this ain't working. Let's try something else. Yeah. Well, for the rest of the game, what do you have? Like uh, sixty-six yards or something? The rest of the game, I think. Well, he was I think exhausted. He, I think he. Yeah. I think he. <laughs> he ended the game with like two hundred sixty-nine yards receiving. So um, they shut him down in the last three quarters. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think it's interesting. Like there is the we have an identity. Damn it. And we're going to adhere to the identity. They are an absolute bitch when it comes to stopping the run. They are so tough, man. And like Todd Bowles is a former teammate of mine. Todd Bowles plays the defense he plays, man. He is aggressive. They are a blitz happy, especially on first and second down defense. Um, They're going to play some man coverage in those situations. And guess who took advantage of it? Kansas City Chiefs. You know, they just said, hey, listen, we're not going to run against you anyhow. We know how tough your run defense is. And we also know in first and second down situations, you're going to bring the house. You're going to bring pressure. We know we're going to get a bunch of one-on-ones. Let's find those one-on-ones. Where's our best matchup? Well, the cheetah against anybody is a great matchup one-on-one. So let's run him across the field. Let's run him on a go. Let's let's figure it out. And, and, and then Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you want to talk about anticipatory thrower. Gosh. He hits the third step and his drop. The the guy's not open and the ball's gone. And it's just a just so much confidence. Oh my god. I mean, we talk about swagger all the time. I mean, there's right. fake swagger, then there's real swag. Just throwing the ball before the guy's even out of his break, just knowing where he's gonna be. Did you ever watch the South Park episode when the father, I don't know what his name is, but he had like his balls were huge. <laughs> And he had him in a wheelbarrow. He's like had, I don't know if it like he had testicular cancer or something. He was just rolling, and everybody was like, "Man, your balls are you." You know, he's just wor- that. That's Patrick Mahomes, man. That's Patrick Mahomes. Patrick right. Mahomes just is like he needs he leaves, a wheelbarrow for his balls. He leaves the game and he's got his nuts in a wheelbarrow, and he's just like, "All right, guys, we'll see you next Sunday." And he's just wheeling his nuts around. I'm I mean, just gonna be taking my balls and. Uh, Heading home. Yeah, exactly. Got this giant wheelbarrow to carry my balls. <laughs> Me, talk about. I can't remember who the guy who's who's the character that had the uh, giant balls. Yeah. But uh, oh my gosh! Hey, was, well, what's wrong with Tampa? Something's wrong there. Oh my gosh! Something's, right? something's wrong. Something smells bad. There's not. I think one. I don't of the think th- Brady and Ba are getting along. I don't think so either. I think there's a turf war being fought right now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, here's the the deal. You know, we saw this. It's interesting to even bring it up because we saw it here in Denver when Gary Kubiak took over with Peyton Manning. And Peyton Manning ran everything from the line of scrimmage 
everything was kind of a three-wide spread type of 11 personnel. Let me get us into the best play. Let me be in shotgun. Let me do the things that I've done my whole career. And Gary Kubiak was like, no, nah, that's not my offense. That's not what we're going to do. And let's find a balance between you being under center and then some of the shotgun stuff, and let's let's figure that out. And it was it was pretty much a horrible marriage, right? It just didn't really work. And they won a Super Bowl, but based on their defense, yeah. and then based on I, I will give Gary Kubiak credit in this. When Peyton Manning came back after a seven game absence because of his neck and his shoulder and his inability to throw the ball and stuff, they came to an understanding that we're going to let you run your offense. And we know that offensively we're not, you know, very good right now, but we're going to let you run what you run. And we're going to lean on this defense and we're going to, we're going to, you know, put a game plan together that way. And they really did. I mean, it, it went from a kind of a 50 50 split to a, 80-20, 90-10 you know. Okay, give me 10% of the plays I like, and then you just run the rest of the offense, Peyton. And you're right. They did end up winning a Super Bowl, but but offensively they were, they were you know, they just weren't very good, and Peyton obviously was suffering with injuries and stuff. I just, every time I watch Tampa, man, it never seems like there's any early answers for Brady. Everything is, everything is a, a throw that takes time that he like BA just believes in pushing it down the football field. We're going to take our shots, right? We're a shot team where Brady spent the last eight years of his career doing check downs to running backs. And it just doesn't seem like, but doesn't that, uh, okay. Then doesn't that, then you bring back the whole defensive strategy of Tampa then. It go, doesn't that go back to the line, the whole classic line of coach, coach to what you got, not yeah, what you want, yeah, type thing. And in this case, you know, we we might like to play man. That might be what we like to do, right? And what we can do, but it doesn't necessarily, it shouldn't necessarily be what we should do, <laughs> right? Correct. Yes, that's exactly that. I mean, you're a hundred percent correct. Um. <laughs> You know, but I guess like that's that's one of those things that that I think teams go through, Mike. You have to be willing to change it up. You know, you have to be willing to take advantage of what a team doesn't do well. Not only adhering to whatever your identity is. I believe in your I believe in your identity. I believe in saying this is what we are and this is what we're going to do. But I also believe in the midst of that, adhering to your identity while adjusting based upon the strengths or weaknesses of the team that you're playing. So there's this fine juxtaposition. You know, there was a game early in the year where Kansas City was playing a great I can't remember who they were playing exactly, but they were playing a, a really good like a really good pass team, like a pass defense team. Um, and Andy Reid had like 35, 40 carries in that game, right? Remember, and, and that was early, and, and yesterday they played a great team that was really good against the run, and Andy Reid called all passes. Like, I mean, that's that's kind of, all right, they're really good at this or they're really good at that, and and we're going to, you know, we're going we're gonna to figure that out. You know, this is the time of year where, we we put teams in that contender or pretender 
category. And boy, did we learn everything we need to know about the Raiders. Mm. Oh my! Getting getting all kinds of praise for the way that they lost to the Chiefs, right? But then you know, to me, if you're if you're a legitimate contender, you go to Atlanta, and it's an ugly. You know, you you're not, you're not worried about style points. You just go in there, you take care of business, right? You, you just get a win. You go get a in win there, and move on. You go in there and you physically bludgeon somebody. And the Saints went in there the week before and bludgeoned them. I mean, they just beat them up. Um, and, you know, I mean, uh, Atlanta scored nine points against the Saints. And then they end up, what did they score, 43? Was it 43 to 6? 43 to 6. You know, it's funny, having covered Sean Payton the last couple of weeks and covered the Saints, one of the things Sean Payton said to me a couple of weeks ago is, uh, they were playing the Niners, and the Niners were banged up and had all kinds of injuries. And he said, the common team doesn't take care of business. We want to be uncommon. The common team looks at the Niners without a, without a starting quarterback or a third-team quarterback, without their starting running backs, without their starting tight end, without their starting receivers. The common team lets that team hang around. The uncommon team beats them down. And it was it was kind of one of those eye opening things to me. Go, that's a it's a great point. Like there are plenty of opportunities to to breathe a sigh of relief. Like the the Raiders were hearing how great they were in a loss, right? Patting themselves on the back. They got Mahomes. You know, Mahomes Mahomed them. He took those gigantic balls <laughs> and his wheelbarrow and his wheelbarrow, <laughs> and he wheeled them around the field and led them to victory in the last drive. <laughs> um, and and you you look at that and say, man, you did everything right, and you should have won. You should be two and zero against the Chiefs. It, it's like they breathed breathed a sigh of relief, and they went out and laid an egg, and they got whooped, man. Like that's common. That's a common team right there. It's disappointing. If you're a Raider fan, you got to be incredibly disappointed in that performance. Very deflating. Very yeah. deflating. Um. Okay, you want to get to question mark? Yeah, let's get that done, man. Here we I got a bunch of I got a bunch of questions right here. So I got them too. Oh, you got them? Because you included me. Oh, you look tagged at you. me. <laughs> so I got mine. I got All mine right. in front of me here. All right. So let's get to let's get to them. Uh first one comes in from uh, Benny, who says, Hallelujah, ding dong, the witch is dead. What do you think of the Lions finally getting rid of Matt Patricia? Ooh. Um, you know, it was time. Matt Patricia and and you know and and Quinn, the general manager. Um, listen, this was a really good competitive team. <laughs> just uh, just before they got there, Jim Caldwell. Jim Caldwell had this team. You know, had this. This is a playoff team, and you know, you think about what they've gone through. And I know a lot of people look at at Matthew Stafford, like, oh well, Matthew Staff- Matthew Stafford's an elite level quarterback. He's played for a franchise that just doesn't understand what they have. And that's that's a shame. And to come in there, and I think this is the hardest thing for coaches who who grew up in New England and learned at the foot of Bill Belichick. They walk out of that situation and they try to mimic one Bill Belichick. And one thing players have, they have a BS meter. They know when a guy is real and when a guy is fake. They know when a guy is authentic and when a guy is playing a role. 
And I've always said this about head coaches. There's a couple things you need to do. One, you got to be authentic. You got to be you. Players respect you if you're authentic. If you're playing a role, they will sniff that out in the bullshit meter that they have in a heartbeat. It won't take them one meeting to know that you're full of crap. Two, you got to be able to command the room. Whatever that room is, whether that's you're talking to coaches, whether that's you're um, talking to your football team or talking to the media, you have to be able to control that room. You got to be in charge. It's like when, uh, what was the guy's name, Ben McAdoo, or was it Ben McAdoo who took over for the Giants? Yes. And, and he wore that, that he borrowed a, a, a suit jacket from an offensive lineman that was four sizes too big. I was like, that guy's got no freaking chance. <laughs> and guy, That's when you knew. Huh? Right, yeah. I mean, he just, it was, it, it was the opposite of fat guy in a little coat, right? <laughs> it's like, dude. Like, seriously, you just got announced as the head coach of the Giants, and that's what you're wearing? Like, that guy's got no ch- You got no chance. No chance. All right. This one comes in from Rylan. Speaking, I guess, of coaches who have no chance. Uh, Mark, why does Adam Gay still have a job? Oh, there's an easy answer to that one. Is there? Oh, yeah. They're afraid of his eyes? He's doing such a great job of driving this thing to the bottom of the oh. river. Why in the world would you make any kind of change and run the risk of the new coach bump? Yeah, you're right. You're 100% right. I thought maybe they were afraid of his uh, his uh, Marty Feldman eyes. True. Or, yeah. He's like, they're worried about that. There's some kind of, he'll cast a spell on you with those giant eyes. I No, you're right. You're right. Drive it down to the bottom of the, uh, the Hudson. And then uh, get the first overall pick and get yourself Trevor Lawrence. Why exactly? Why would you run the risk of of bringing in somebody new? You get the new coach bump, right? And then you win a couple of meaningless games that ends up costing you Trevor Lawrence. No, no, no! This guy's doing a wonderful job. Drive that thing straight. Hey, iceberg dead it, ahead. Right. Let's is there, go for it. <laughs> he is the captain of the Titanic. Right. Yeah. This is unsinkable. Um, <laughs> do you think? Is there anybody that could actually, if they won a couple games, they would still be at the bottom of the heap, wouldn't they? Jacksonville. Oh. Jacksonville. They just fired their general manager, general too, General manager, right? though, but not the coach. Not the not right? Doug Marone, right? no. Don't run the... Look at Atlanta. Right. Atlanta fired Dan Quinn. They've got a little bit of a bump. Yeah. Yeah, they've won some games. Right. You don't want Under the Raheem, bump. Raheem Morris, right? They've won a few games. Right. You don't they want played the, hard. Yeah. yeah the last right. thing you want if you're the Jets or the Jags is a bump. That's right. You so, want to stay. Hey, status quo is good. Right. 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 Just keep the ship on the, on course. Keep it going. Uh, this one's from Carbo. Uh, Mark, how long would it take you as the Bears owner to fire Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, and cut Mitch Trubisky? Ten seconds? Five seconds? Or would they be out the door so fast they wouldn't have time to get their coat? Um. Yeah, I you know, I get I get the whole Mitch Trubisky thing, right? I mean, and and honestly, I get the you know I get the uh, the Ryan Pace deal too. I mean, Ryan Pace, you had all these other quarterbacks. You moved up in the draft one spot with San Francisco to get Mitch Trubisky. Who started what thirteen games in his college career at North Carolina? I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, I, mean, I, I get that, I get that part, I, I understand that part. Um, 
from a coaching standpoint, you know, Matt Nagy won some games in the first year that he had, Mitch Trubisky, but it, it certainly hasn't evolved very well. But is that Matt Nagy's fault or is that Mitch Trubisky's lack of – I mean, I've I've had several meetings with Mitch. I, You know, I think good kid. I think conscientious. I think all those things. I think, you know, I just think he's, you know, in over his head. I think he's over his skis. And is that necessarily the coach's fault or is that the personnel people's fault? I mean, it's always easy to fire everybody, right? Just fire everybody, change the carpet – but I don't know that that's the right answer either. I certainly don't think that Mitch Trubisky's the answer, though. Or Ryan Pace, probably, for that matter. I don't know that I... I, I know that people in Chicago are frustrated with Matt Nagy, but I don't, I don't know that that's the right answer. All right. Uh, let's give away the uh, Sweet Sweat package. Uh-huh. Um, any one of those jump out of you? How about the, the fact that we got to talk about Adam Gase's eyes? Yes, yeah, you know, I like that. Let's go with Rylan. Okay, I like that, Rylan. We'll go with Rylan, and uh, you'll get a seventy-five dollar gift bag from our friends at Sweet Sweat. Um, I will reach out to Rylan. Let's make make me make sure I have this because I think you're on a different. Uh, what's his? What's his? Oh, there it is. Right. Yeah, I got you right yeah. there. I'm gonna favor that. Now I'll, I'll reach out to Rylan. And get his address and send him that gift bag. And uh, and that's great. For everybody involved with the Stink of Truth podcast, we would like to thank our presenting sponsors. Great folks over at Sweet Sweat, sweetsweat.com for more information. Also at uh, Superbook, America's best bet. Check them out at Superbook. For Mike, myself, for Scott, thank you for listening. We'll be back with you later on in the week for our picks um, that you want to go absolutely, you want to go against our picks, right? You want to make a killing? Go opposite. Go opposite of what we do. Go oppo. Yeah. Think of baseball and an outside pitch. Yeah. Take her oppo. Yeah. All right. For everybody involved with the Stinky Truth, we thank you. We'll be back with you later on in the week.